Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are live. And hello to the wonderful Isabel Estrada. Thank you. Hello. Uh, otherwise, sometimes known as Dr. Isabel O'Hagan. Right. <laughs> those, those are two different names. Right. So um, you have two mariachi bands, at least, that I know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Great to have you on the program. So before I forget, I'm Mel Rosenberg, and I'm the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And Isabel, can I call you Isabel? Sí, Isabel is, is sí. fine. Pero it, it'll be much easier. <laughs> I'm going to get confused. Okay, Isabel Estrada. Uh, tell us about your new book. You have a book that just came out a few months ago with Sleeping Bear. Wonderful yeah. book. Go ahead. The floor you. is yours. Okay, I think it is a wonderful book. Um, there's a lot of love in this book. Uh, so I think that's the focus of, it came from the, my love of the music. I love all music pretty much, but I especially love mariachi music. It's very close to my heart because it, it brings me back home. So I'm in Michigan now, but I'm from Arizona, right near the border. And so uh, the, the music always reminds me of family, community, you know, the home, the sense of home. So I wrote this story about a young girl who wants to be a mariachi. It's the 1970s. But, and this is this is certainly um, fact, at that time in the United States and in Mexico, the uh, girls and women were not part of mariachi. Um, they were just not allowed or discouraged. So, yeah. That, that, that doesn't make much sense. You know, you're, you're yeah. from... You're from Tucson, Arizona. Arizona is a part of the United States. What happened in the 1970s? You know, they had the women's power, women's lib, women's everything. What is with this? Yeah, it, it, some of those... Um, they forgot about Arizona. Yeah, kind of a um, macho attitude. But, you know, different cultures around the world also have, you know, men's only, no women allowed um, you know, traditions. But I think, you know, most places are... are going past that for the most part. So 
in the late 70s and 80s throughout the United States, that did change. There were some trailblazers, some women. And so uh, in this little story, Tucci is a trailblazer in her own community and says, um, I, I can do this too. And she's she's bullied a little bit. She's taunted, teased, dismissed by older men. But with the help of her grandmother, that's another part of the book, there's um, discussion of generations and how we help each other. Um, so her grandmother helps. Her grandmother had wanted also to be a mariachi. And so she helps Tucci uh, achieve her dream. But And so Tucci persists. persists yeah, Tucci, uh, but she snoops around the attic. Uh, I like that about your story. It's not mm -hmm. as if uh, Nana gives her the guitaron. No. Uh, she finds it herself. And then she says, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? How come this is here? And I didn't know about it. So, yeah. And, and Nana remembers a few of the chords and starts teaching her. But then it's Ducci that, that dedicates herself for months in the book. You know, we just say one line <laughs> for months. She practices um, and and then, yeah, shows shows the world she can be a uh, mariachi too. Hey, show us the book. Read a few, uh, read a few pages. Okay. Let's enjoy this uh, wonderful miracle. The artist, the illustrator, I should definitely give credit. because You should. Ari Rivera Sonda, and she is a visual artist from Mexico. She lives near Oaxaca. So uh, she drew beautiful pictures. And here, the first picture you see, I'll read it. Tucci twirled to the sounds that poured into the plaza. Letting the music kiss her skin, she closed her eyes, lifted her imaginary guitar and swayed. I wish I could be a mariachi, she said, as her knees bounced to the rousing rhythms. With its sweet cinnamon melodies like silky swirls of honey poured over a stack of mamacitas fried bunuelos, her music would wave over the plaza too and move people to sing, dance, and play. In bed that night, her eyes drank in the moonlight. Gucci whispered, hear my songful wish, Senora Luna, make me a mariachi. And so she does. She, you mentioned that she snoops around and finds the moonlight glimmers on the case and it twangs and she's like, oh, a guitaron. Oh my gosh. She pulls it out. I love this page where I say melodic rhythms, the melodic ribbons embroidered the sky. Um, there they are embroidering the sky. Adi did a beautiful job. So she sure shows them. Yeah, she sure said. And there's this Great page where Adi has illustrated the boys saying, uh, you know, she's coming to school with her guitaron to, to go to the first meeting of the mariachi group. And they're, they're there saying, no way, go away. You know, this is only for boys. And she says, oh, it's not a play on the word macho. She said, it's not mariacho, it's mariachi. You get it? <laughs> so. So she stands her ground. I say she stands tall and strong like a sawado. So the you know the cactus, the sawado in Arizona is is sort of an icon, a symbol. So she's standing tall and strong. This is funny. I read the story to some children here in Michigan, and so I stopped and asked, "Do you know what a sawado is?" They didn't know. <laughs> so so I explained. So it's kind of fun to share. So there are cultural bits you can see at the beginning. I talked about there was some mention of foods. Um, the the singing, the dance, you know, the practice of the music playing in the plaza. So, um, yeah, I try to intertwine some of the cultural aspects of, 
of the Mexican culture. The, the, the food, the smells. The foods, the um, smells. As writers, the, the multi-sensorial approach to writing. Yeah. Excellent. And of course, uh, we won't go into the details, but uh, she sure shows them in the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who can play a guitaron in the yeah. mariachi <laughs> band. Um, so, 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 how much of this uh, story is uh, Isabel Estrada? Um, well, I had wanted to play the the violin as a, a child, and I I couldn't. So, I'm also music. no? <laughs> uh, partially, partially for cost. So that brings me to another part. Um, I my family was poor when we were growing up, and we were many, so we didn't have money, and the school only had one violin. And it didn't come to me because I was younger. So I was younger at that time. So it went to the older, older child makes sense. So I picked up the flute. So the, the part I think that really comes close to my heart is I'm a musician. So I could relate to Gucci's desire to be a musician. And I try to picture, you know, music is a ethereal kind of thing. Like, like, you know, it just happens at the moment. It's aural, unlike the art you know, that's, more concrete. So I try to picture how music might look on the page, on the written page. You know, so I, I played with that oral and visual aspect of putting things together. So so that was great fun, you know, putting words to to uh the sound. Yes, absolutely. And um well I should add that you're a a PhD in music education. Um and we want to talk about that also. So, um, let, so lead us back to your your early life in in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, you know, I have a theory that we end up writing to our inner child, um, and mine is five years old, and your story is for five year olds. So, are you a five year old like the rest of us? Oh yeah, yeah. And I think this book was healing <laughs> in, in that sense. You have your five-year-old self that often, you know, you have to, okay, it's okay as a grown-up. You know, you can deal with it now. Uh, but it was interesting because I lived that experience, but as a child, you don't always have words to put to those feelings that you're feeling. So I, so I think as a, as a full-grown adult here, mature adult, I was able to, to go back um, yeah, and and touch upon that. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing for me is that she picks the guitaron, uh, which is like the the biggest. You know, she could have. There's there's smaller instruments in that the mariachi band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you know I mentioned the violin. Originally, I did have the violin as her. She was playing the violin in the plaza at the very beginning, uh, but but then I realized that there was actually a little bit of humor in the guitaron aspect. Uh, and I like the fact that her grandmother is also a smaller woman, yeah. more petite. And, 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 and they don't they teach us as authors to exaggerate. So it's a uh, yeah. it's a love <laughs> it's a it's a lovely exaggeration. Um, so you are the you are the five year old in the story. Um, and uh, and what happened? Um, so they you weren't allowed to play the violin, but you played the flute. Yeah, I picked up the flute. And you became and became a musician. So tell us about that. Yeah, I did all the music, you know, I was part of all the music groups in school. And just <laughs> a, a little aside, I took summer school four years in a row in high school so that I could take more music classes and be in the groups during the year. So I was in band and choir. So so you could, you know, 
otherwise, if I hadn't done summer school, there's no way I could have put both groups in my schedule. So, so by the time I was graduating, I said, oh, I love this. It's my passion. I want to be a music major. And uh, my, my dream was to have been a wonderful, famous singer singing at the Metropolitan Opera stage. <laughs> that was a, that was my goal. Um, but, you know, life happens. So then I said, well, I'll be a very wonderful, you know, love teaching music. I, I had well, hold on a second. So what happened to your opera career? Oh, I tried. I, I did, you know, audition, you prepare auditions, auditions, and it, it just didn't happen. You have to win auditions to, to get in your... For the most part, in the United States, it's I, our audition system. You know, I, I mention this in, in practically every show. Every every author of a traditionally published picture book that I interview has had a miracle happen to them. Sometimes multiple miracles. Because you have to be the one in 1,000, the one in 5,000. And um, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's, a, if it's an own voices uh, book. Uh, which this is to a certain extent because there's thousands of own voices writers right. that send in manuscripts. So, so as good as your book is, and it's wonderful, it's still a um, it's a miracle. We're going to talk yeah, about th this miracle and um, and and breaking in as an opera singer is again one in a thousand. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I I don't know why I wanted to be a jazz singer. I can't understand <laughs> why people want to be opera singers, but. Um, but you wanted to be an opera singer, and you're probably a um, an alto or, or mezzo soprano. What are you? Oh, actually, I was a, a light lyric coloratura. Oh, yeah, so, but my speaking voice has always been low and deep. <laughs> so, I think Renee right. Fleming also has a low, low deep. Speaking. So you were competing with a, with with ten thousand other singers. Okay, oh, yeah. uh, you you didn't make it. You didn't make it as an <laughs> opera singer, and and like. Many of us, so you went into education. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. So, so what did you study at the undergraduate level? Um, I studied mostly choral conducting. You know, really? Yeah, you, you had your full course of, um, so it was music all the way. And also dance when I was undergrad, I did double dance and double music education major. So, so you're so also a dancer? Yeah, I'm also a dancer, modern dance. I was into the whole. Martha Graham, yeah, Isadora Duncan kind of thing. The whole shtick. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or the whole nine yards, as the Americans say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so to what extent, so, so this is another question I, I have to ask you. Um, you have, a, like many other um, people living in the States who have different ethnic backgrounds, you have more than one cultural identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, brought up in a Mexican family, uh, probably speaking uh, Spanish uh, as an infant, mm -hmm. and then trying to, to break into American society, which is often not forgiving of people who are different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I grew up, and there was, and there still is, this idea of the Spanglish, where you would combine, and it was frowned upon, but... Um, Educated people, you know, do the Spanglish in that part of the world because that's just, you know, who we are. Uh, so I don't think it's a sign of being, you know, um, ill-educated about about yourself. It's just your culture. So I, when I was growing up, no, but they did. You, you feel, of course, it's not that I've interviewed no. several yeah. authors uh, who use Spanglish in their texts, mm -hmm. uh, and I love it because um, a lot of uh, Jewish people who came to America 
used Yiddish in their English, and um, and you know some Yiddish words became English. You know, like to schlep and uh, to kvetch and all these words that I'm sure you yeah. use in Kalamazoo. Um, so I think it's I think it's terrific. It's what's called the melting pot. But for people in the melting pot, it's not so easy to melt, is it? No, no. When I was a child, and for a long time after, if you spoke mostly Spanish, you were held back a year. And those classes were not very helpful at all. So it was, uh, so you were delayed an entire school year and sometimes held even further until, you know, you were deemed worthy of, okay, now you, so there was no attempt for any kind of bilingualism or did, you know, did, this, did this happen to you no no one no one in my family although it's it was funny because i did go to a kindergarten that was all in spanish so so somehow i i did manage to pick up but i'm one of one of seven children sort of in the middle so i i was able to learn a little bit more from my siblings that were going to school so and when you were growing up, uh, did you have picture books in the house? Not many, but uh, my mom had a lot of the little the golden books. Yes. So she was she was a real fan of the golden books, and she, even though we were very poor, she had uh, she subscribed to highlights, the highlights magazine, the cricket wow. magazine, wow. and uh, she had that encyclopedia plan, you know, where you bought some volumes at a time. We we love those. So I grew up with that generation where you just just loved encyclopedia and kept flipping and flipping. That's a wonderful a wonderful gift from from a from a mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, okay, so now we're going to segue back to your to your musical career. Um, so you spent years, um, I'm guessing, uh, educating uh, young people about music. Mm -hmm. um, what 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 is the job uh, of a music educator? I'm also a music educator of a different kind, mm -hmm. but so I'm going to ask you the question. I I think it's to uh, just bring aesthetic awareness to the art form, and as a music educator, I like to show children ways and avenues of how music is just part of life that you can interweave it so not box it, but that that music permeates all of our cultures and and the worth the worthiness and so and I also like to teach them ways to listen deeply you know listen with with a, with more intent you know focus intent on listening so you don't I don't try to I've never tried to produce musician but I have taught I've taught privately I've taught private voice students you know for, for those wanting careers or you know more special uh, specialty but but for the general student it's just a uh, how music can enrich your life. That, that's, that's my focus. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mm. Is, do you think there's a trade-off um, when you teach uh, somebody to appreciate music intellectually and you start explaining to them about the music? Um, does that help them enjoy it emotionally? or hinder them? I think it does, because I, I work mostly with children uh, up through middle school. I think if if for children, it's not just sitting at your desk and abstractly understanding the music, but if you can embody the music. So if you have visual maps and then they create visual maps or you, you know, a eurythmics type approach where you move through the music. And so, so now your body is not just your ears, but your body, mind. And oh, so do, do you get the kids drawing and moving around? Yeah, drawing and moving. So, so you make, you make it uh, active. So in music education, there are like eight or nine different, what we call standards, but they were the, you know, the con conceptuals of, of how you, yeah, receive music and perceive music. It's wonderful. I mean, we could we could turn this uh, discussion into a musical one, and I have a zillion questions to ask you. But I'm going to hold myself okay. and, and and get back to writing here. Bad boy, bad boy. Okay. So so uh, so what happened? Did you wake up one day and say, "Oh, oh my, uh, oy vey"? Um, oh, that's what you say. Um, I don't know what the what you say in Spanish. Um, I should be a writer. What happened? Well, I had been using a lot of picture books in my uh, classes, especially ones that were, you know, musical and or you could we could create soundtracks for the books. So we did that. So I was just well, hold on, like like what? <laughs> Give me an example. Oh, um, like possum coming knocking at my door. It's sort of a it's got a, a feel. Possum coming knocking at my door at my door. Possum coming knocking at my door. I just kind of pulling that out of out of my. Yeah, but you could take all, you know anything that has a musical feel or a rhythm, and you can add your instruments, you can add your your body movements, your percussion, or, or we could take a beautiful story, uh, maybe a fairy tale, and then create a soundtrack while we read the story. Um, I love so that. I love that. But actually, you can take anything, um, yeah. and even if it's not necessarily a rhythmic, you can rhythmic. you can find the rhythm. You can. Mm -hmm. You can create the rhythm. So actually, wow, that's great. So you, you I, I never thought about this. Wonderful that you came on the show. So you can take, <laughs> you can take any uh, picture book Anything. and mm -hmm. turn it into music. Right, right. And you oh, can, I as I mentioned, you have a storybook, and you can have little, you know, interludes, symphonias yeah, in so, between. So kids can take their favorite, their favorite children's book and bring yeah, it to, uh -huh. to to school and turn it into a into some kind of musical. I love musical that. experience, right. And yeah. so, and then I became a mom. Um, and so I had this big collection of books already as a teacher. And then I thought, oh, more books, more books as, as a mom. And so I just fell in love again with the whole picture book and chapter books, you know, older books too, uh, world, the, the world of literature. And so just... Loving picture books, I just said, "Ooh, I want to do this." So I joined SCBWI about ten years ago. This year, I had jo joined Twelve by Twelve uh, so to delve into you know the writing aspect. 
So, so that part came easily and it probably because I had worked with the, the lyrics, I mean, not, not the lyrics, but the text in books and like treating it like lyrics, like song lyrics. So, so I was so you familiar. Had, you, had, you had an angle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we talked about this briefly before the interview, um, the importance of, of coming to writing from a different place in the universe, from a different profession. From a different right. point of view, and and I think this book captures musicality. You know, I, I'm a musician. I'm all you know from day one. I grew up singing and dancing. My whole family did, and so I, I just underneath because I didn't even think about it. But some of my friends have said, "Oh, the musicality in this book is is really great." And then it was their comments that made me. So now I'm <laughs> pitching the same thing. I was like, "Oh yeah, the musicality is in there." Okay, so so you did the. Several right things. You joined groups. You joined SBWI. Uh, did you join a critique group? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been two critique groups for about ten years each. So. Okay, and uh, this is concurrent, concomitant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Um. And 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 then what happened? Um. Well, I've been writing. I, I'm my own self critic, and I think that comes from being a musician and dancer because you're always you know striving for that ideal that you know <laughs> apex and and so I was writing but I knew it's not quite ready so I've only been maybe the last two years I've been writing for 10 but the last two years I started submitting and I submitted this to a contest uh I didn't get the prize but I got the call and they said we'd love your for your book Sleeping Bear Press did what was the what was the contest Isabel? on voices on stories okay. they were and it was a national contest they wanted to start uh, almost an imprint in a sense. It's a collection they're putting out with this focus. And so they said, oh, we, we realized that we have you know the award winner, but we need more books for this collection. So I said, yes, I'd love for and so, they've been and, very No, they're, they're a great press and I've interviewed lots of authors. Um, and um, so what about agent? Most people look for an agent. I've been looking for an agent for years. They're hard to find. Uh, I haven't up to this point looked for an agent because this book offer came two years ago and because it takes two years. Uh, and so I was I've been really happy with put you know preparing for this and and doing all the social media. Uh, but but I'm just now submitting work to agents to get that support. Uh -huh. so, so you have you have more stories. More, oh yeah, I have I've been writing stories. So I'm now throwing them out. <laughs> and what what percentage of them are musical? Um, I think a lot of them are musical in the sense of the, the line and the approach in terms of the theme. I have two others and one about a little girl that wants to be an opera singer. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's even, that's even closer <laughs> to the corazón. Yeah. You know, little, some little kids know about opera because they hear it and yeah, they, they hook onto it. Some kids do that opera sound. That's wonderful. So um, what uh, what advice do you have for other people? Because it's so hard to get a traditional publishing deal. And I ask everybody who has, what are your best suggestions to people who are striving and working and trying? Well, I, I have some friends uh, that were published because they entered the contests. Uh, a, a friend here who's now a well-known author, got her her first book out 
because she she took a chance and actually she did it for maybe even two or three years she didn't get the first the first contest second maybe it was the second or third she kept you know submitting and then okay i won and they published her book and that you know her career took off so i would say look for those opportunities because those open doors very quickly and and there are i think there are several grants and awards prizes out there and then the second is just really focus on your craft believe in yourself focus on your craft and yeah do start submitting your books because they're not going to be out there unless you take that extra step okay and how do you deal with the the rejection how because we all have this pain um of course i, I had this for many years as a scientist but it's um <laughs> it's more painful to get a story from your corazón rejected than a scientific paper yeah <laughs> it's like a dagger <laughs> yeah. i've had hundreds so and i'm, I'm sure you've had rejections how, how do you deal with them um i think that comes I'm kind of tough skinned in my attitude. And I think it comes from, you know, being a musician and dancer where you've had many auditions. And when you're a music major, dance major, you have juries every semester where you are critiqued like crazy by other professors that don't like your professor, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very political. So I'm kind of used to that in the sense. And so with my writing, I just kind of remind myself, well, you know, you've been through this little cycle and this kind of game. You just keep going. So the important thing is keep going. You're not going to ever get to your dream unless you, you know. And then I, you read the stories of how, I think I read recently, Kate DiCamillo put, um, what is it, the Mason, her story, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, her, her first big novel, Mason, okay, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but she put that out over a hundred times. Here's this marvelous novel. Um, and it was maybe 103 rejections. And then finally publisher 104 said, okay, yeah, this is it. And then it won all, oh, because of Winn-Dixie, because of Winn-Dixie. I was thinking Mason Dixie, <laughs> but because of Winn-Dixie. Yeah, so I there are a lot of those stories out there. So I take heart from that. That's wonderful. So I too can be a good loser. <laughs> so so um, the the other thing that's special about you is you mentioned uh, that you know when a manuscript is ready or not, <laughs> and most of us don't. R run us run us through that, Isabel. Um, and I, I'm learning this more recently that you can't just write because you're writing and it's sort of a meh, <laughs> you know, kind of story. You, I think you have to write a story that has significance, that has deeper meaning. And if you can manage a story that has different layers of meaning, you know, layers upon layers, so that it can take the, you know, it calls for re, you know, re-readings and re-readings and, and, and that, you know, going back to a favorite classic. So that's, um, I have my ideal. And so that's what I strive for. So I can, you know, take a step back and, and, Oh, hold on. But, but, okay, but, but how do you, most of us, including me, have trouble taking a step back? Mm -hmm. you know, even, even though, let's say, I'll know what the weakness in my manuscript is, and then I will send it to my critique group or to my editor, and but some little bird inside me will say, oh, I hope they don't see it. I hope they don't see it. <laughs> but I know it's there. <laughs> 
So how do you how do you manage that? How do you how do you manage to be your own critic and and, and say, uh, Isabel, this isn't good enough yet? Well, I I do depend. Um, I do have some very trustworthy consultants that I work with. They're in my corner and they believe in me. So I've been working with one person, well, two people closely for three or four years. And but they're they're also teachers and mentors. So when they're teaching me by critiquing one group how to go through the process of you know doing that with my other manuscripts. So I, I think that's part of it. You have to teach yourself. So a mentor will will look at a book and and just say, "Yeah, you have all the parts, but what is it about? You know, why should I?" Okay, okay I'm, I'm going to have to refine my question to yeah. make it more more difficult for you to answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you able? I mean, okay, same with me. You know, I, I rely on my critique groups and my and my mm, critique swapping that's... buddies to tell me the truth, which sometimes they do kindly, and my editor. Um, but you said earlier that you know when something needs fixing and you know when something is ready. And I don't. How do you know? Um, I think it it has to sing to you. It really has to sing to you. And it has to, you know, it has to zing and sing. Um, do, you, do you sing your stories to yourself? Uh, I kind of do. Yeah, you could say that I do. And so... Uh, you know, I mentioned the one about the little girl who wants to be a, a soprano, an opera singer. That one was from the very first uh, um, one that had to sing. Uh, otherwise, so 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 Isabel, I'm going to um, ask you to do something that I've never asked an author to do, and um, and you're not going to say no because you promised <laughs> to answer all my preguntas. Yeah, I did right. Right. So I would like you to open your your book to some random page and and sing it to me. Make up a, a song that goes goes together with your text. Spontaneously. That night Tucci opened her window and breathed in the moonlight. Muchas gracias, Senora Luna. And then she began to strum her guitar straight from her corazón. Or she was now Tucci la mariachi. Yeah. <laughs> More. Oh, God. This is, you know, I, I, I don't cry in the, in interviews usually, um, <laughs> but you have brought a, uh, you've uh, moistened my eyes here. That is incredibly beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that your, your story here, um, the, the, the story in the meta story, your, uh, your uh, wonderful story, um, and, uh, the story around the story and the music of the story. And, uh, we are going to say goodbye soon to everybody, but I'd like you to leave and come back because, um, I want to ask you something not in front of the uh, children. Sure, absolutely. Is, is there anything that I haven't asked you? You've been so brilliantly clear in your oh, in your you. journey and, and so candid. Um, I, there's, no, there's... But... Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, a, a, a child asked me recently when I read to a group, what was your dream? I think, you know, you asked me and I said the opera singer. And then she said, you know, well, what happened? And I said, I tried. And I said, that was the biggest, you know, boost for me that I didn't give up. 
I tried and I tried. It didn't happen. But the, I think the important part was that, you know, I gave it all I had. So I reached for my dream with passion. Sometimes you don't get that dream and then life, you know, redirects you. But I said, that's the important part of, of so, life. So is this is this book a redirection? Is this is this um, Isabel uh, succeeds in in the children's book against all odds um, when she didn't succeed in the opera world? Oh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but this is a, this is really um, this is poignant. This is teaching me something. So. Um, we're all we're all redirectors. Yeah, yeah. So it's not about finding your. Oh my goodness, this is a real uh, Oyve moment here. So it, it's really not. I'm getting goosebumps. Uh, thank you for being on the show. It's not about finding your direction in life, is it? It's about finding your your redirection. Right. Mm -hmm. Because wow. that's that's the path of life <laughs> for most of us, unless you're. It comes down, you know, struck by lightning and aha, but most of us have to wander through the desert. <laughs> most of us redirect. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like Moses in the desert. You like Moses in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this has been incredible. So um, I'm going to say uh, to everybody else, this is a wonderful book. Um, show again, everybody, your book, La Mariachi from Sleeping Bear. Illustrated by Ari Rivera Sonda. And and go out and hear some mariachi, folks. Go here, you know, go to your Apple Music, Spotify, listen to mariachi today. It's wonderful music. I have I have I have a mariachi in one of my stories. Uh it, it it's wonderful. And wow. um and I I really highly recommend this book, not only for people uh, who um, want to see themselves in the illustrations and and um, it, it's a book for for children of every language, of every color, of every uh, creed, and of every background. Uh, right. It's really um, its own voices, but it's also universal, and um, that's what makes a good story. So, Doctor okay. Isabel Estrada O'Hagan, um, and it, there's another name or two in there, isn't there? Oh yeah, I have lots of names. <laughs> That that's also that's also an identity thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's we'll we'll talk about that to, with well, your next book. So I, I also I want to also interview you for your next book whenever that's coming out. You have a oh. book coming out, or you we don't know yet. No, don't know yet. Working on it. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck with this one, so that you'll have many uh, books in the future. Thank you, and, and thank and, you for uh, your audience. Thank you for your. And uh, it's my it's my pleasure. Uh, and muchas gracias to you, and okay. uh, and explain. Ex excuse me for my Spanish. Um, and um, thank you very much. And I'm Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Channel, and I've been here with the wonderful Isabel Estrada O'Hagan, uh, celebrating her new book La Mariachi out with Sleeping Bear just a few months ago. And we're going to say goodbye to everybody, and uh, uh, no, and leave and come back in. I have a question to ask you. Okay, fabulous. <laughs>